Welcome, everyone. Thank you for taking the time to tune in today to Meet Me on Planet 3. I am your host, Deanna Hoffman, a parent of two young children, an experienced science educator, and an environmental advocate. The Meet Me on Planet 3 podcast features actions that folks like you are taking to protect and preserve our amazing planet Earth. For our very first episode, I am thrilled to share an interview I did with Eve Downing, a 19-year-old college student and environmental advocate who grew up in a small fishing town in Alaska. Eve spoke with me about her role as an Arctic Youth Ambassador, her triumphant efforts to prevent the development of a local mine, and more. Eve Downing, thank you for being my very first guest on Meet Me on Planet 3. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk with you today. I am so excited you agreed to do this podcast. I saw you on a World Wildlife Fund webinar, and I was so impressed by you, and I just feel like you embody everything that this podcast is meant to be about. My first question for you is about your role as an Arctic Youth Ambassador. I just want to hear all about that because it just sounds incredible. Yeah, of course. So I joined Arctic Youth Ambassador about a year ago, a little bit over a year ago today. And it's really just focused on youth in the Arctic. I can't remember the exact age range, but I believe it's something like 17 to 25-ish. And what we do in the beginning is it's a lot of meeting other passionate youth and learning about what they're doing in their communities and um, trying to support each other. And then we also work with a lot of the staff of the program to figure out how how they can help us develop our advocacy. And they also do a lot to connect us with new opportunities to have conversations with people. And it's all about spreading awareness for environmental issues in the Arctic and bringing attention to them. Most people are aware that climate change is a big threat. And most people are aware that it's it's looming and we're probably going to start seeing effects of it pretty soon. But in Alaska, you can already really see and talk to people who have are already seeing really drastic changes in the environment. And so it just feels very real and apparent like it's already happening and we're already seeing the effects there. What's a specific example of something that you are seeing in Alaska? We've had record levels of heat, you know, the snow present um, for, a, for a much shorter amount of time in the winter. Just last summer, we had a series of wildfires. Also some shifting of, of the type of vegetation that's in certain areas. And other effects, my town is as a big fishing town. Our economy is very based on the tourism that we receive largely because of fishing. And there's been a lot more restrictions on the type of fish that you can get and how many because there's been kind of a decrease in the salmon population, not just in, in our watershed, but in watersheds across Alaska. What would you say is the project that you are most proud of? Because I know you've done a lot of advocacy and you're involved in a lot of different things. So what what would you say is something that you feel especially proud to be a part of? Gosh, that's a tough question. A fun one, though. (laughs) Or two. (laughs) Or 18, Um, because I know you're involved in so many. (laughs) Oh, gosh. 
I'm trying to think of specific ones. I will just say that the ones that I have enjoyed the most and I've, I've been able to, Alaska is an interesting place and there's a lot of resistance to a lot of changes in our government and in local governments. So, so there's a lot of resistance. And so a lot of projects are not successful. I believe it was two, 2018, measure one was about revising the permitting process for projects near anadromous waters. And um, there was a very big counter campaign from different oil and gas companies that had huge amounts of funding. But I was really proud and I was able to keep fighting because I was with a bunch of other people who were really passionate about it, going out and talking to people in their community and trying to have conversations about really trying to understand why people are resistant to it. And so I, I just found that I really enjoy and am most proud of the times when I've been able to come together with other people who are, you know, a lot of times just like on the weekends or in their free time, trying to solve an issue that they see in their in their community and in their state. And those are, are just some of the best moments. And then um, another one that's kind of an ongoing thing is Pebble Mine and fighting against Pebble Mine. And recently there was, permit was denied. Um, and that's a very, that was a really big moment. And it, since I became involved in environmental advocacy and long before me, it's been a big fight in Alaska to make sure Pebble Mine doesn't happen. And it was a really big moment to see that that hopefully that that was one of the final blows to, to Pebble Mine, although we'll see going forward. I was going to ask you about Pebble Mine. And, and is it a copper mine? What is Pebble Mine? Pebble Mine is largely, it's it's gold, copper, and molybdenum, <laughs> the headwaters of the two major rivers that feed into Bristol Bay and would be the largest mine in North America. Because of where it is, it has and the size and the geochemistry of everything has a really large potential to leak into Bristol Bay, which is one of the largest salmon fisheries. What advice do you give to students who try a project or try to advocate and they're essentially told no? Well, I think it depends. So in, in the case of the ballot measure, it failed and we did not win. But even when you face a failure like that, there is some success there because there are thousands of people that had conversations about this and people who reached out to their neighbors and began conversations about conservation in Alaska and how to do it in a way that is aware of the potential damage that can come from switching away from oil and gas. There are a lot of communities that rely on, you know, the income that comes from working on the North Slope and having conversations saying, well, how can we work together and do this in a way that provides avenues to either different careers, different jobs, or, or or whatever pathway it may be, having those conversations is a success. And if you're, if you're just kind of really immediately shut down, if you're trying to like start a community garden or something like that, I think being shut down maybe gives you an opportunity to think of new people to talk to, new ways to do something, new places to do something, which has the potential to result in a even bigger project or have a bigger impact. And so, you know, but I I also want to say that, like, I understand how it can get really disheartening and frustrating. And sometimes you just want to throw your hands up and say, I'm done. I'm just going to go about my life and maybe I'll sign a petition here or there. And I think that 
if you are passionate about it and you really care about it, working with other people who have common goals and common values is is one of the best things that you can do to to keep yourself going forward because it's very difficult to do the work on your own and you need to have that support if you're going to keep fighting um it's it, no one should be asked to do it on their own what advice do you have for young people who want to get involved in environmental advocacy where should they begin for me i was able to learn how to advocate and learn honestly of the issues in my state that I wasn't aware of because I joined an environmental it was a youth environmental advocacy group it was called Alaska Youth for Environmental Action and that was kind of my beginning into environmental advocacy so I suggest you know trying to reach out to if not local environmental groups and even your state environmental advocacy groups especially if there's youth focused ones because those can be really helpful in focusing on on ways that youth can really advocate for themselves. And if you are having issues connecting with those groups, then try and like form a group of friends or a group of people that you know in your school who are even a little bit interested and just try and tackle one problem in your in your community. The toughest thing is is starting and get starting to get involved and once you are a lot of opportunities will come. What was it, do you think, that sparked your interest in climate advocacy? I think it kind of all began because I spent so much of my time outside. Alaska is a really interesting place, and the place that I live in, it's not a super small town, but we don't have a whole lot to do other than go outside. Um, And so, you know, sometimes when I was younger, my dad especially in the summer what we were like always going on hikes or backpacking or go kayaking or canoeing or all these things looking back on it I'm very grateful the time that I got to one spend with my family but spend with my family outside and I think when you've spent so much of your time and gotten so much of your just happiness in life from being outside and hiking and I found it often gives you a lot of perspective the thought of not being able to do that in years come or the thought of future generations not being able to enjoy the things that I enjoyed when I was younger and the things that I think kind of formed me to be who I am today is just kind of a scary thought and I I think I just kind of realized that the environment is such an important thing to protect for so many reasons I just realized well this is something I think I can change a little bit and maybe help a little bit And I want to do that because I want other people to be able to experience the things that I experienced. You mentioned your family. I'm sure families and teachers who are listening are curious to hear what you feel your family did to support you. So they have better ideas about how to support their own young advocates. I mean, my parents were always very supportive of anything I wanted to. I mean, I was, I kind of got really involved when I began high school and I went to this Alaska Youth for Environmental Action Summit when I was a sophomore. And it was, you know, I think I had to miss a couple of days of school. My family, my dad had to drive me up to Anchorage. It was like a three hour drive and drop me off there. And so, you know, looking back, they could have, they could have said, no, they could have said, you need to stay in school. We're not going to drive you up here. But they, but they, they definitely did not. They were supportive of anything. I wanted to do. And I also think they just listened a lot. 
I'm someone who likes to like talk through anything I'm thinking of or anything I might do. And my parents were always really willing to listen to all of my ideas and, and let me talk through anything I was thinking about or my frustrations with environmental advocacy or like when I was just like, I feel like I'm not doing anything. I feel like I'm not changing anything. This feels like just failure after failure. They're always willing to listen to me. And I think that's very helpful for anyone and for anyone interested in environmental advocacy, having someone there to talk to is great. And now you're at Northwestern. Is there anything you're involved with in Evanston or the Chicago area? I think I'm kind of getting more involved in some things at Northwestern, kind of advocating for university divestment from fossil fuels and things like that but I do think most of my time is still invested into kind of more of a focus on arctic issues and talking with other Alaskans I think it's great to have a connection to your hometown and to your support system and to the advocacy that you were part of for so long I think it'd be kind of sad if I just kind of stopped and moved on to like focusing on either just federal things or just Illinois things or I, I think I, I would feel a sense of loss. Well, I just have one more question for you, which is what is next for you? Next for me is I'm trying to take a bunch of different classes and learn more about what I'm interested in and become a better advocate and help other people advocate for themselves about whatever it is that they want to. This summer, I'm going back to Alaska and I'm going to be working with the Alaska Center, on a, a local elections fellowship focusing on local elections and then also doing um, kind of a divestment fellowship, learning more about divestment and student advocates across the country trying to form a a coalition for people to work together. I just know that I want to be doing something where I can help other people become advocates for themselves and likely something to do with environmental advocacy, continuing to work to get distributive renewable energy for people in Alaska and the U.S. and switching away from fossil fuels to a more regenerative economy. I've been able to do some really amazing, fun things where I've learned a lot because I've had the support of so many other people in different environmental organizations and in my family and in my community of people telling me about things or writing me a a letter of recommendation to go to something or funding to go to be able to travel or something like that. What one person does is often a culmination of other people's work and other people's time. And so it's important to realize that all the things I've been able to do have been because I've, I've had so much support. Well, Eve, I really appreciate you meeting me on Planet 3 today. Thank you so much for this conversation. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Yeah, of course. Thank you. I've had a great time talking with you as well. Eve Downing is so inspirational. On top of everything else we talked about, Eve is also the youngest member of the Board of Directors for Cook Inlet Keepers a nonprofit that works to protect Alaska's Cook Inlet watershed. To summarize the key points Eve made, number one, get involved locally. Start with one small thing in your community or your school. Although it didn't air, Eve also suggested students advocate by talking with local officials, submitting public comments at city council and school committee meetings, and writing stories for local newspapers 
and other media outlets. Number two, even in failure, there are successes to celebrate and opportunities to think of new ideas. Number three, listen. Being able to hear and understand another person's perspective is really important in advocacy work. And finally, number four, work with a team. Environmental advocacy is hard and you should not have to do it alone. Thank you for taking the time to meet me on Planet 3. Subscribe today, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, and check out my blog at meetmeonplanet3.com. And please email me with topic suggestions or questions. Deanna at meetmeonplanet3.com. That's D-E-A-N-N-A at meetmeonplanet3.com.